0: Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. G'day everyone, how are we going today? Going good. Put your hand up if you're happy the kiss cam didn't come to you. Hey, a lot of relieved people in the room here. By the way, I didn't know it was coming to us. So, um, Dubsy always walks this fine line between... Probably not sure if he's going to get promoted or get a first warning. So, you know, but we love him and we love, uh, love all that he brings. And, uh, and we've got to have a bit of fun in church, don't we? We've got, to laugh. we've got to lighten up a bit sometimes and have a laugh and not be too serious. So if, you know, you want to have a bit more of a joke and a laugh, come back at the next service and maybe it will be on you uh, for the kiss cam and uh, a little bit of fun. No, no, All, all good jokes. So we're in a series at the moment, as we launch this year, uh, looking at what matters most. We're kind of drilling into, as a community of faith, what is it that matters most to us? And we've looked at what does it mean to reach? What does it mean to introduce people to Jesus, core for us as followers of Jesus in a church church? Uh, community here at Clovey. And last week we looked at grow, going deeper uh, with Jesus. And and really as we grow in our intimacy and our love uh, with Him, uh, we will know the things that He has for us in our lives. And today we're going to be looking at multiply. It's our third uh, vision priority. And we're going to be looking at what does it mean to multiply our lives into the lives of others. And one picture that caught my attention last year uh, was that of an aeroplane graveyard in Alice Springs. I don't know if you saw this photo, if you saw it in the news last year. But because all the travel's been kind of, you know, not been happening, uh, what happens is they lined up all these planes in Alice Springs. Apparently, Alice Springs has a good climate for this sort of thing, and and uh, so all the aeroplanes got put into, you know, what's affectionately been turned the aeroplane graveyard. I don't know about you, but when I look at this picture, it actually makes me quite sad. I'm quite sad when I see this picture. I don't know if in the last few months, you know, you've seen a plane go by in the sky and it's caught your attention and you've gone, what's that? Oh, I haven't seen one of those in a while. It's a plane. That's right. When I saw the the airplane graveyard, I was quite sad because planes need to be doing this, don't they? They need to be flying in the sky. Planes take us from one place to another. Um, planes, for, for some of us, if we're on vacation or we're going on a holiday, this instill in us a sense of adventure. What's coming? What could be? And when we see planes in the desert, they're not living at their purpose, are they? They're not living at the thing in which they were built for. Uh, planes, when they're living at their purpose, we see them in the sky. And we can see them, you know, doing the thing that they've been created for. And indeed, as followers of Jesus, we have a purpose. We have a purpose in our lives that God has created us for. He's created us to know Him really deeply and intimately and for us to pass on our faith to others. That's what He's created us for. He's created us uh, in His image so we'd know Him in a deep and in a personal way, and that we would pass on this faith with other people. And this is what it means to reach, to introduce people to Him. And this is what it means to grow, to go deeper with Him. And to multiply our faith into the lives of others is a really important part of living out our purpose. We don't wanna be like aeroplanes grounded, but God's created us to soar, He's created us to be with Him on this adventure of faith. But I know in that I make an assumption. I make a a really big assumption there that when we multiply our faith into others, the assumption there that we indeed have a growing faith, that we're not stagnant or stale in our faith, uh, that we're not trading on faith from a previous time in our life or from maybe when uh, God saved us. But actually now, in this day, in this season, God is at work in our lives and He's cultivating us, He's growing us, He's softening our heart, He's drawing us into more of what He has for us now, into this season and from that place, we share our faith and multiply our faith into the lives of others. That's what it looks like to live out our purpose. And this is what we see in the story of God. We see... Uh, people that multiply their life into the lives of others so that God's kingdom could be expanded, so that a multiplier could get pulled down and many, many more people would be introduced to him and also that God's kingdom would continue to come here on earth as it is in heaven. We, we see it in the Old Testament with Jethro uh, and Moses. So Jethro is uh, Moses' uh, father-in-law and he comes into the God's story in Exodus 18 and Moses is really struggling under the weight of leadership. There's a lot that's sort of happening in his life and Jethro says this in Exodus 18 verse nine, he says, Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from from the hand of the Egyptians. So he was just thrilled that God was at work but then he was also looking at Moses and he saw Moses struggling under the weight of the decisions that he needed to make. You see, God's people, the Israelites, they kept coming to Moses with problem after problem after problem. And Moses was just being weighed down by this. And then Jethro says this in verse 18. He says, the work is too heavy for you. You can't handle it alone. So Jethro, he spoke into Moses' life and into Moses' situation. He gave him some advice. He gave him some advice on how he could delegate on how he could empower others so that he didn't have to have the full weight of every decision that was happening. And Moses listened to this. And as Moses listened and implemented the things that Jethro had to say, Moses' burdens got lighter. It's fascinating. Jethro invested, he multiplied into the life of Moses. And who were the beneficiaries? Well, all of God's people. All of God's people benefited through the words and the investment of Jethro into Moses. And then Moses had an investment into a young man called Joshua. In um, Exodus 33, it says this, The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And then Moses would return to the camp. But his young assistant, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. You see, in this place where there was this intimacy between God and Moses, Joshua learned from Moses, that's the place to be. That's the place to be. Moses passed on to Joshua when he was his young assistant, a love for, for being in the presence of God. For being in the presence of God. For learning what it means to cultivate a deep and intimate relationship where no one else is around with the living God. And Moses and Joshua, for decades, they did life together and Joshua um, received uh, multiple assignments from Moses uh, in terms of how he could grow as a person in his leadership. And at the end of Moses' life, he handed over the baton of leadership for all of the Israelite people to Joshua. And this is what he said to him in Deuteronomy 31. He said this, he said, Be strong and courageous, knowing the Lord himself goes before you and he will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Moses multiplied his life and his faith into Joshua. And Joshua took God's people into their next season. The impact was multiplied as Moses was obedient in how he lived his life and how he invested in another And then we see the same in the New Testament with Paul and how he invested into young Timothy. In 1 Timothy 2, Paul calls Timothy his true son of the faith. And in 2 Timothy, he begins uh, this book in 2 Timothy by saying, Timothy, my dear son, my dear son. Timothy was a son to Paul and Paul was a father, a spiritual father and a mentor to Timothy. And actually, the whole book of 2 Timothy is quite a personal letter from Paul to Timothy. At that time, uh, Paul himself was in prison and he was writing some last thoughts, if you will, a charge of how uh, Timothy can live his life for God. And he charged him um, forward and onward in his faith. He thanked God for his family who he grew up with his mother and his grandmother who passed on faith to him. And he called him to live a life that had a kingdom impact. You see, Paul multiplied his life and his faith and his leadership into young Timothy. And Timothy went on to then pastor the church in Ephesus and God's kingdom was advanced through him. There's a multiplier. As we look at the story of God, we see women and men who invested their life into others, And as they invested their life into others, a kingdom impact was multiplied. So as I consider living a life that uh, multiplies into others, as I ask us as a church community to consider what does it mean for us, what does it mean for you to live a life that multiplies into the life of others, I think there's one thing that's really important when it comes to this, and it's the word proximity. One thing is really important. Who have you brought in close to your life? Who really knows you? Who have you brought in and you've said, I wanna pray with you, I wanna walk with you, I wanna share my life and my faith with you? Because proximity is so very important if we're gonna live lives that multiply our faith into the lives of others. Much more effective than a program, and much more effective than a course is proximity and imitation. Proximity and imitation. And the Apostle Paul knew this because he spoke it into the church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 11:1, he says, "Be imitators of me as I am of Christ." And then in the NIV version it says, "Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ." See, Paul understood that it's not a course or a program that's going to multiply faith. It's actually bringing people in really close, inviting them into your life, inviting them into, their, into your world, bringing them into the, the seen and the unseen bits, maybe the, what you might think are the acceptable and the unacceptable bits. And in God's grace and His mercy, He uses all of it to invest into the life of another who then multiplies into another. See, the most effective way to multiply your life into others is by inviting those into your life in proximity and in intimacy as we point them to Jesus. It's what we call relational discipleship. As we connect and we relate with God, and then we bring people in on the journey with us as we walk in faith. You see, we've all got a story. We've just been singing and how God has reshaped our story, how God is is doing a work of making us more like him. And then he asks us to pass that story on to others. But that happens through invitation. It happens through relationship. It happens through proximity. I remember in my journey of faith, there's a man by the name of Paul and he invited me into his world. I was a young adult at the time, and he invited me in, and he said, oh, you know, if it's all right with you, you know, maybe we could pray together, we could meet together, we could open up the Word, and, and, and uh, he was a missionary with Youth With A Mission, and he said, you know, there's the odd thing that I speak at, you know, I might invite you along if you wanted to do that, and I said, sure, and we just built a relationship over time. And as we built this relationship, uh, we began to pray, and he began to um, teach me and grow me in my faith and my leadership development, he stretched me out, uh, he'd invite me to come to speaking appointments that he was at. And he said, Mike, I just want you to pray for people. And uh, and if God gives you a word, deliver that word, go for it. And then he just continued to give me a little bit more of a responsibility and opportunity. I remember this one time. We're at the Youth with a Mission base up here in Adelaide when it used to be in Norton Summit. And he said, Mike, I want you to lead out and praying for the the, the, um, DTS students, the Discipleship Training School students. And he said, I'll come in after you, but if God speaks to you, then we're gonna pray down into that and we're we're gonna go with that. And I kind of just was like, wow, all right. I took a big breath and away we went. But he walked with me. He brought me in close. I saw a man who followed Jesus and I wanted more of that. I saw an example to follow, someone to imitate as he was following Jesus. I wonder who those people have been in your life that have extended you, that have grown you, that have maybe opened a door in the kingdom of God to a room that you didn't know existed. Who are those people that have shared and invested and multiplied their faith into you? I wonder who they are. I'd encourage you to write them a note, to send them a text, to thank them, some of those people might not even know. You might have gone decades down the road and there was someone who just shaped you as a young adult or when you first came to faith and they might not even know the impact. What an encouragement and a blessing you could be today if you said thank you and prayed a prayer of blessing on them this day. I encourage you to do that. But then the flip side is also a life question, isn't it? Who are you going to be for a person? Who is it that you've brought in close? Or who is it that you can bring in close? Who is it that you're living in proximity with? Who is it that, you know, down the track in their story are going to thank God for you? It was beautiful last week with the baptisms. So many of the baptisms where the young people said, I was brought up in a family of faith. I learnt faith from my parents or from a significant adult in my family. It was so heartening to hear particularly as a a church here and next generation ministry where we want to build lasting faith and we know that that comes firstly from the home so beautiful to hear that but who are you going to be that person for who is it that maybe God's stirring in your heart to walk alongside because as God works in your life he has people for you to share your faith with and multiply your faith into others And this is the type of living that we see in the life of Jesus. This is what we see in Jesus' life. We see Jesus investing into others. We see him bringing people in nice and close. We see him actually living a life that people are drawn to and he can share and multiply his life into. You know, over 20 times in the Gospels, Jesus called people to follow him, to follow him. And he just kept relationally pulling people in really close. And if we look at this word follow, the Greek uh, origins word of this word follow is akalatheo, uh, which means to be a follower or a companion. And, and Jesus used this word, akalatheo, follower, companion, in both a literal sense. He called people to follow him quite literally, leave the things that you are doing, fishing, family, other things, and follow me. But then also used it in a metaphorical sense around discipleship, in terms of surrendering your life and following and trusting in Jesus as the Messiah. So this is what the disciples did. They literally left everything. They left boats, they left work, they left livelihoods, they left families, and they followed him. And they also trusted him as the Messiah to provide all of their needs. In Matthew 4, we see it with his first followers. He says, come follow me and I'll send you out to fish for people. Why does that make sense? Because they were fishermen and they were like, okay, that kind of makes sense to me. Thanks for putting it in language that I understand. Or what about Matthew the tax collector in Matthew 9 where Jesus said, follow me. And Matthew got up, he left it all behind and he followed him. And then in Mark 8 Jesus gave this teaching around following him to his disciples he said whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves take up their cross and follow me you know while Jesus was here on earth while he ministered he gave us a bit of a model of ministry because we see him calling people to follow him and we see his ministry like really being lived out in his works in his words and his ways. See Jesus had these had these works, these miracles and he healed people, he restored humankind. But then he also had his words, he spoke truth from God. He called people to follow him and he meant it. But then he also had a way. Jesus had a way. He had a strategy, he had a a way of living his life. There was a rhythm to how he lived his life here on earth. I'd encourage you to look at the Gospels, you know, read in at Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and see how did Jesus actually spend his time? And if I'm going to be someone who follows him, if I'm going to be someone who uh, indeed lives a life uh, that draws other people to him, what were the things that were important to him? And we see in Jesus' life and in his ministry, he, he, he attended to the masses. You know, he fed the 5,000 um, and he had the Sermon on the Mount. You know, he had a public ministry that went wide in its approach. But then he also had the 72. And we read in Luke 10 that he called the 72 and he sent them out. And he sent them out um, so that they could be involved in kingdom business. Under the 72, he had the 12. He had the 12 apostles and he called them by name to follow him. And it says in Mark 3 that they might be with him. It's very important that they're with him and that he might send them out to preach. You see, they were with him, life on life, a teacher and a student, and he ate with them, he taught with them, he showed them grace in word and action. He was an authentic living example. Jesus was relational in how he lived and how he drew the twelve into more kingdom business. Then under the twelve, he had the three, Peter, James and John. And It was like Peter, James and John got like just an extra uh, inside line into the life of Jesus. They were invited to the upper room for the healing of Jairus' daughter. Uh, You can read that in Luke 8. They were invited uh, into the transfiguration in Matthew 17. and In the Garden of Gethsemane, when they were praying, Peter, James and John got asked to come a little bit further along with Jesus there in Luke 22. You see, Jesus went deepest with a few. He went deepest with a few. And what's really interesting is as Jesus got closer to the cross, the amount of people he invested in became less and he went much deeper with them. He was multiplying his life and his faith into them. This is what Greg Ogden has to say. He says, By focusing on the few, Jesus was not only displaying indifference to the multitudes, instead, Jesus had a different vision for reaching the masses than maybe our approach through mass gatherings. Jesus had enough vision to think small. Jesus had enough vision to think small. So consider Jesus making his greatest investment into 12, the 12 disciples, and then into the three, Peter, James, and John. And then what we see across history is from an investment into 12 people, 2,000 years later, over 2.2 billion people following Jesus. That is some multiplication, right? That is some deep investment that has a multiplier into the generations that are to come. And this is what we see. This is what we see in the life of Jesus. So if we are indeed going to look at what matters most, if we're going to be a people that uh, follow him, then we need to look at how he lived his life. And as we look at the God-sized dream, you know, what's Clover going to look at? What's Chloe going to look um, at in 2030? You know, what are the things that we're going to be focused on? Actually, this idea of proximity, going deep with a few, um, investing our lives into others—all very important things for us to consider. And when we've looked at uh, what does it mean to multiply, to raise and release leaders. You know, we've got things, and you would have seen it on your card that we gave a couple of weeks ago, around leadership pathways. We're actually wanting to discover what are some really important leadership pathways across the life of the church so that leaders can be raised up uh, in a range of different sectors across society. Also, this apprenticeship model, going deep with a few, uh, living life on life, drawing people in nice and close, very important for us, passing on our faith, So very important. And it's a challenge for us, isn't it? But it's very important that we do that. We want to develop partnerships with uh, organisations that do things really well, that we can actually say, hey, you know, we want to continue to raise and release leaders. We want to continue to be a church that multiplies our life and our faith into others. So can you do what you do really well? And we'll do the things that we do really well. And let's work together. And we also really believe on our heart for this next season around marketplace ministry. To develop a really strong marketplace ministry for those that spend the majority of their time in the marketplace during the week to know that you are on mission and how can we walk alongside, how can we support and raise up. So if you are in any of those areas that I've been talking about, you know, if you wanna know more, more's gonna come over time. You know, there's um, this guy called Peter Corney, and uh, he's an Anglican pastor in Melbourne. And uh, he spent a lot of time uh, in his uh, pastoring of churches, uh, looking at developing leaders. And he says this, he says, the future of any organisation lies in its ability to reproduce leaders of quality. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. He says, if your vision is for a year, you can plant wheat. If your vision is for 10 years, plant trees. But if your vision is for a lifetime, plant people. Plant people. You know, Clovi, I really have a dream for us that we will raise up and release leaders into this next season of ministry, that we will see leaders in the marketplace raised up with confidence to know that you are on mission. We'll see leaders raised up up to plant churches that will come out of this place into the future. I see that leaders will be raised up and released to serve God overseas on mission and He might be stirring in your heart around that. I see leaders being raised up to influence public life and be a Christian presence uh, in our political systems here, now and into the future. I wonder what is it that God's stirring in your heart? Prophetically maybe, or maybe it's very real and, and He's been speaking to you about it for some time and perhaps you've been resisting it. What is it that God is stirring in you so that we can multiply our faith into the lives of others. It will happen through proximity and imitation. Proximity and imitation as we invite people into our lives, as we're vulnerable and humble and open enough to realise that we haven't arrived yet. There's things that God is still working away in our lives, but we still invite people in. And we say, how do we keep growing? How do we keep developing? How do we share what God is doing in our lives? Because I don't know about you, but I want to live... A life, and I certainly want to lead a church that pleases God. That pleases God and invests into the things that He is asking us to invest in. Because it would be nothing more sad than to be an aeroplane in the desert. Nothing more sad to be grounded when indeed you've been called to fly. That's what we've been called to do. We've been called to fly, to join. Jesus on an adventure of faith nothing would be more sad if we had all the technology and we had everything going for us and then we were grounded in the desert that's not what God's asking us to do it's not our next season God has a bright season for us where we have an opportunity to multiply our faith into the next generation this is what John Maxwell says. He says, true success comes only when every generation continues to develop the next generation. Clovy, I invite you to make a commitment in your heart today that you'd live out in your life, that you would multiply your faith, all the richness and the blessing, the hardship and the pain. And you would multiply into the next generation. Will you stand with me? Let's pray together.